morning, everybody. Now, in this nation of Wales, if you've been here for any amount of time, you will know that this is a nation that has known and encountered and experienced many, many moves of God, uh, where the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, has turned up in the church and gone across the nation like wildfire in extraordinary, powerful, beautiful, miracle-working ways. And uh, we call them revivals. But this nation, for some reason, which uh, I don't know why, has probably experienced as many or as more of these moves of God in its history more than any other nation in the world. I mean, obviously, Israel has... uh, and its history has received far more. But this is known to be a nation of um, revivals. In fact, it is called the land of revivals. And many, many visitors around the world visit the great revival sites where they started. And it is said, and I haven't verified this, but it is said that one in four Christians today trace their roots back to the Welsh revival of 1904, where missionaries, because of this revival, just went all over the nations of the world and brought that fire that brought transformation to their lives, communities. And we can learn a lot from God and the way he moves from these revivals, these visitations of his presence, how and why the Holy Spirit comes to us in such power and is there anything that we can do to position ourselves so that we are in the place where God can visit us again in such a powerful way. In 1904 uh, one of the most world famous revivals took place five minutes drive from where we are today on the 31st of October in 1904 and here's Evan Roberts he was the person that God used to start this revival he was 27 years old, and on the night of the 31st of October, he said to his mother, close the doors, ma'am, the revival's coming tonight. And it didn't happen in the main church body, it happened in the Sunday school room with a bunch of young people. And they prayed, and the presence and the power of God turned up, a little bit like last weekend's student weekend. I heard that was a fantastic time with the Holy Spirit as well. But God visited this small group of youngsters in Lucha. You can go and visit it. And within weeks, that fire of the Holy Spirit spread from church to church and village to village and began to sweep right across the nations. The repress got onto it and they were reporting it and making great accounts of it in the Western Mail. Over 100,000 people came to Christ gave their lives to Christ in barely three months. The churches were bursting with people. Lives were changed and transformed. People were filled with overwhelming love and joy. They would be worshipping for hours. People turned from their sin and their wrongdoings completely without hesitation. Relationships that had been broken and damaged for years were restored. Crime went down virtually to nothing. And in fact, the judges would travel in those days to try people and they would go to the towns and there would be, they would be handed white gloves which signifies nobody to be put on trial today because the crime rate went down. Industrial disputes that had been 
going on for years and years, got resolved. Everything began to, began to become transformed in the nation. God had visited Wales. And what I want to explore with you today is what were the conditions that prepared God's people to receive such a visitation and to be an instrument where a whole nation became transformed in a matter of months. Well, fortunately, we have a few letters from Evan Roberts that were written on the 5th of November, two letters to his friends Sidney and Elsie. And the both letters basically say the same thing, so I'm just going to read one of them. And he wrote this letter on the 5th of November, um, 1904, just a few days, well, basically six days after this incredible move of God began. He says this, Now I'm working at Lucha among the young people. Isn't it amazing? That's where it started. The Holy Spirit led me to this place. He has blessed my mission abundantly. He began, we began this mission Monday night, and we hold prayer meetings every night at 8 p.m., these meetings have been a success. The young people say they could sit all night. Monday, I explained to them the object of the mission. Then I told them the work of the Holy Spirit, of the work of the Holy Spirit that has been taking place in Newquay and Newcastle Emlyn. And I urged them to prepare for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the plan I've undertaken under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So he's, he was given these four points to prepare God's people to receive the Holy Spirit that he believed that God had given them. And here are the four points. Confess all past sins before God. If there is some sin or sins in the past not confessed, we cannot have the Spirit. Therefore, we must search and ask God to search us. So a bit like Psalm 103, search me, O Lord, and see if there is some wicked way within me, and then confess it. Or if you know what it is, confess it. And of course, when we mean confess, we mean confess and turn from it, not just, you know, confess it and carry on. That's not going to work. Secondly, if there is some doubtful thing in our lives, it must be removed. Something we say or do, if we do not know whether it is right or wrong, it must be removed. Gray areas. No gray areas. Three, total surrender to the Spirit. We must do and say all that he asks of us. Total surrender to the Spirit. Fourthly, Public confession of Christ. If you haven't told somebody that you've given your life to Christ, tell them. Those were the four conditions. And in each meeting, he would lead people into um, actioning these three points. And then he would say, come Holy Spirit, for Jesus Christ's sake, amen. Come Holy Spirit more powerfully for Jesus Christ." Say amen. Come Holy Spirit even more powerfully for Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit of God would fall. And people would be weeping with joy as they had found freedom, liberty, love, and the touch of the presence of God upon their life. And it began to change 
individual lives that changed whole community and it changed a whole nation. And then it sparked around the nations of the world and communities around the nations of the world were receiving this same encounter of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I'd like to focus on the second point that Evan Roberts um, was talking about in our preparation to receive the Holy Spirit, where he says, well, it's about gray areas. If there's something doubtful in our lives, it must be removed. No gray areas. In other words, we must be very careful not to live our lives by ignoring our conscience. It is the gray areas as well as the obvious things that play on the back of our mind. Is this right or is it wrong? Should I be saying this? Should I be doing that? Should I be thinking this? And it's a gray area. If we do not, do not recognize it and respond to it, it plays upon our conscience. Or living without a conscience towards the Bible's teaching about what is right and wrong. Or putting up with something questionable in our life. Not sure whether it's okay to carry on. So because we're not sure, we carry on. Rather than actually, I'm not sure, so I'll stop till I am sure. Maybe we continue to make excuses for something that we want to do and justify it, but in the back we know that it's a grey area. Maybe we don't like what the Bible teaches about something, so we distort it or amend it to justify our own conscience, hoping that we won't feel the conscience about it and we won't think it's a grey area. In other words, we continue to ignore our conscience or live without a consideration for what the Scripture teaches, justifying our behaviour to appease our conscience. Now, when we do these things, it affects our ability to encounter and know and sense the presence of God. It affects our ability to receive the Holy Spirit without measure so that he can do all he wants to do through us in our lives. You see, conscience is a function of our spirit. God has made us body, soul, and spirit. Very quickly, the body, well, that's obvious. It's the things that we do outwardly with our body. I'm going to have a drink, and I'm going to take it into my body. That's what I'm doing with my body. I'm using my body. My soul is the mind with which I think. I'm thinking about my sermon notes right now. What I'm going to say next is the mind with which I think. It's the emotions with which I feel. I feel sorrow, I feel pain, I feel despair, I can feel worry, I can feel love. It's the emotions with which I feel. And it's the will with which I choose. These are the realm of the soul. The will with which I'm choosing now to take another drink. I'm, no, I'm choosing to put it back. But there's a spirit. The spirit is, the, is also created by God within you. And it's the part of you that comes conscious and aware of God. It's the part of you that can sense the presence of God. 
It's the part of you when that lovely moment happens in worship and we go, oh, God is here. It's the part of you when you're praying and in that moment you know that you are touching God, you're intimate with him, that you know that he's there. It's the part of you where you hear the voice of God or the witness of God in your spirit. It's, but it's out of this. It's the place where God gives faith. Faith is a spiritual gift and he doesn't deposit it in your mind, but he puts it into your spirit. Do you, have you ever thought sometimes that you can, in your mind, agree with all the right stuff? But when you come to pray about it, you wonder whether you're going to do it. But there's a time when there is your spirit and your mind agree because God has put faith. It's a spiritual gift, faith. It's where peace, the peace of God comes from. Have you been in a situation where everything is going wrong? Like your house is burning down, but you walk in peace. And you can get up here like Sean on a Sunday morning and just give a rocketing, fiery sermon where you think, where did that come from? With a woman and a, a husband and a, they've just had their house burnt down and she gets up and delivers something like that. What is an, how does that happen? Because there's a joy and a peace and a power that is in the spirit that is beyond the mind and the outer circumstances. Jesus says, if anybody is thirsty, just like Matthew said this morning, if any, well done by the way, Sean, brilliant talk last week. If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being or her innermost being, out of their spirit will flow the Spirit of God, rivers of joy and rivers of peace and rivers of power and rivers of faith, rivers of the presence of God in your spirit. And so your spirit is the place where God operates and dwells with you firstly and then moves out through your mind and your emotions and your body. And the spirit has another function. The other function of the spirit is conscience. You see, conscience is not based upon reasoning of our mind or the knowledge that we acquire. Have you ever reasoned in your mind that it's okay to do something and you go and do it and then suddenly your conscience goes, uh-uh? Have you ever done that? You've justified that this is okay to do and you go ahead and suddenly there's a pang of conscience. Our mind may reason something is right or wrong, but our conscience witnesses with us that we are out of line with what is right. Someone may mistreat you badly. You may feel hurt and wounded, and what they've done is totally unjustified. And so in your mind you reason, I'll mistreat them back because they deserve it. Payback. And you reason that it's okay to treat them like they have treated you because they deserve it. It's just, it's right. And then you go ahead and say it and do it and suddenly your conscience says, two wrongs don't make a right. And what you have permissioned yourself to do with the reasoning of your mind, the spirit actually says, no, you're not justified or permissioned to do that. It doesn't feel right. And in those moments, we have a choice to override our conscience or not. Who knows what it's like to override your conscience? And you just go ahead and do it. But conscience is a gift from God, not to be overridden. It's a gift of God as a warning sign to protect us and guard us and watch over conscience 
is like a spiritual discomfort as pain is to the body. Now, why do you feel pain in the body? What does pain in the body tell you? It tells you something's wrong. Get some help or stop it. Sometimes if I'm doing some exercise and I feel a twinge in my body, I've learned now to stop straight away. I used to override it. I would keep on running or I'd keep on lifting. And I would be suffering for weeks that would stop me running and stop me lifting because I ignored the pain, even though it was a twinge. And it would put me out for weeks sometimes. Now, as soon as I get a twinge, I stop because it's a warning sign. And conscience is the same. It's a warning sign for our well-being, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, physical. It's a warning sign because God has built this into it out of his loving care because he wants us to be whole and safe and to keep going. A guilty conscience will hinder knowing, experiencing the presence and the power of God. A a clear conscience is needed to be able to sense the presence of God increasingly. Paul associates a clear conscience with the work of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in Romans chapter 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Do you see what he's saying? I'm speaking the truth. But how do I know I'm speaking the truth and what I'm saying is true? Because there's a presence of God in me the witnesses to me. When I speak the truth, I know the presence of God affirming and confirming. And when you do the right thing, gosh, you know, the presence of God comes to you. The presence, the number of times. I've heard people in my own experience when I have had the decision to make and angst and struggling over in a moment, I said, no, I'm going to do the right thing. Then liberty and joy in the presence of God. I speak the truth. I know I'm speaking the right thing to you. The presence of God witnesses to me. And it's a, it's a, it's a secret to walking in the presence of God, to guard your conscience. It's a blessed gift. Jesus says, blessed are the pure of heart. They shall see God. Oh, what a wonderful thing, isn't it, in worship and in prayer or walking down the street and you turn your affection to him. And although you can't see God physically, but in your spirit you sense him and know him and you kind of spiritually see him. And Jesus and his presence and the spirit of God is beautiful. It's the one thing that surprised me when I came to Christ more than anything else. I remember saying to my father in the kitchen one day as a new Christian, I said, the thing that surprised me about turning to Jesus is the presence of God. How amazing, wonderful, beautiful, exquisite. I don't have the words to describe how wonderful the presence and the person and the radiance of Jesus is. Don't have the words to describe it. Blessed are the pure in heart. Your conscience is important to moving and embracing his presence. 
And that's why it's important to keep our conscience clear through confession and repentance of no sin and the avoidance of the grey areas. Paul John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us, will forgive us, will forgive us. Doesn't matter what it is, where you've been, what you've done, who you are, will forgive us. All of our sins, not some of them, all of them. Not everything you have ever, all of them. He will, he will all, he will all forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And because of that grace, that mercy, that's what they experienced in the Welsh Revival. That's what caused the joy to flow and the nation to be transformed with freedom. The forgiveness and the clearness of conscience. Money can't buy it. Gosh, you can have all the money in the world and you can be laid down with guilt and despair. Money can't buy it. Achievement can't buy it. Why compromise your conscience to get up the ladder or gain more? Why? Why? When you can have it all for free, the joy, the peace. Great. I didn't know you were going to bring that this morning. It fits in perfectly. So it's important to move the grey areas because they play on our conscience. And as we do, we will grow in our sensitivity to the presence of God. His power, his fullness will increase. And the more we live in his presence, the more our conscience will become more sensitive. So our conscience grows and matures as we live in his presence. We find that our conscience won't just make us aware of the outer things. Oh, I shouldn't say that or I shouldn't do that. But it makes us aware of the unseen things, the motivation of our heart. Why am I doing that? Is it for me or is it for the honour of God, the benefit of others? Judgmentalism, when we, when we have a judgmental or a harsh attitude towards people, why am, I, why am I being harsh in my heart? People can't read our hearts, but... The conscience and the Spirit of God makes us aware and lays them bare. Why do I have a harsh attitude? Why am I ungrateful or ungrateful? Self-centeredness, laziness. Why does my heart desire this? Nobody can see what you're desiring, but my heart desires. Why does it? And conscience makes you aware so that you can be cleansed and liberated and free. It's not just about our actions and our deeds. I remember leaving church for church one Sunday morning once, and I was walking out the door, and Sarah said to me, said something to me, and I responded in an abrasive manner to her. Now, to be fair to Sarah, she didn't notice. But in my, but my conscience, as I got in the car, my conscience made me aware that I had been harsh as I walked out the door, and I was all the way, and I was confessing my sins to God. <laughs> And apologizing, but I got there and I just had to turn to Sarah and say, Sarah, I'm sorry for being harsh with you when I responded as I walked out the door. Because I knew that I, I was preaching that morning and I, and I wouldn't have been able to engage in the worship and receive the presence of God in worship that would have prepared me for speaking. I just knew that I needed to clear my conscience, so I apologized to her and she said I didn't even notice. The thing is, I did Because the Holy Spirit made me aware. It couldn't be discerned from the outside. But bang, I knew. And the Holy Spirit picked me up on it immediately. 
the more the Holy Spirit renews your conscience, the deeper God's work goes in, in, in and through you. So overriding your conscience or living too long with a troubled conscience, ignoring it or twisting what God says to justify it and try and subdue our conscience, or the Bible calls it suppressing the truth, to suit our own desires or to justify our conscience is not a good place because our conscience is designed to be like pain. If I put my hand on the radiator, it starts to hurt. The reason God's wired my body up that way is that I remove it, not that I'll keep it there and get a seared hand or if on the oven or if I put my hand on an iron, you know, ooh, I, my, I put the iron down on my hand, ironing a shirt, I move it quickly because... That's the way God is. Not keep it there because I'll get a mark, I'll sear it, and then my whole hand will become desensitized. And that's a dangerous place and concerning place to be. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Paul writing to Timothy he says this The Spirit clearly says in the latter times, now, those latter times are the days that we're in now, the days where we're approaching the return of Christ. It clearly says that in the latter days, in days ahead, closer to the return of Christ, some will abandon the faith. And it's talking about the, the faith here. It's talking about the teachings of the faith. Not just believing in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. But the teachings of the faith. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared with a hot iron. Do you see, they, they've, they've, they've been distorting things and ignoring things and overriding things so long that now their conscience is seared. They don't even feel guilt. They're not even aware of wrong or sin. And it's a very concerning place to be. And this passage warns us that what will happen in the days closer to Christ's return, that those will, who have faith will abandon their faith or the faith through ignoring their conscience to the point that there will be no more feeling of guilt or shame about sin. Our conscience has become hardened or seared as with a hot iron. And this happens when we ignore or let go of our conscience continually, continually becomes a pattern of our lives and that's what's the result and then Paul again says to Timothy he says this hold on to faith Timothy and a good conscience hold on to faith and a good conscience hold on to it don't let it go which some have rejected so they have shipped suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith now to shipwreck your faith means to abandon it like you would a ship that has been dashed on the rocks and it speaks about rejecting the teachings of Jesus Christ laid out in the scriptures. It's not saying, it's not saying I don't believe in Jesus. It basically says, I don't believe what he teaches and what the scriptures teaches, and I'm going to ignore it and override it. That's what it's basically saying. And, it's, and Paul says it's, it's basically shipwrecking the faith or abandoning the faith. If we, read, if we read the Bible, listen to the teachings of Jesus and of the faith and have no awareness of sin, if conscience doesn't speak to us when our lives don't align up to it, 
we may be on the pathway to having a hardened conscience. Now, this was the condition that I was in before I became a Christian. Before I was a Christian, my conscience was hardened. I'm not proud of it. I'm just sharing it with you. I became an atheist at 16. I chose to believe there was no such thing as sin. I chose to believe that it was a conditioning, a construct that was human to control us and keep us in order, whether it was by religious institutions that wanted to control us. I chose to believe I was the master of my own destiny and that I have to ever give an account for my life to any superior being or God because he doesn't exist. I chose to believe that I was free to choose whatever I did or didn't do as long as it didn't hurt anybody else. And the notion of actually being accountable to God for my life and actions was absolutely kicked to touch as far as I was concerned. And I believe that right up until the 28th of February 1982, which is next Monday, 40 years ago next Monday, when I was walking through the woods in Castle Cork, Cardiff, and it was just as if God in his mercy and grace gave me a second chance. And he opened my eyes to the fact that he existed. And I knew in that moment, oh my goodness, there is a God. I could see, discern, sense, what we're talking about, his presence, his power, his authority, that he was creator, he was person, he was holy. And the first thing I said to myself when I encountered God in this way is, there is such a thing as sin, and I am a sinner. That's the first thing that went through my mind. The Holy Spirit revealed to me my hardened heart and my life. And I knew in that moment, in that moment, I heard God speak to me in my heart, not audibly, in my heart, abandon yourself to me, Julian, and proclaim my name to all people. And I knew the first thing I had to abandon, the first thing, was my sin, my wrongdoing. The first thing. And I made that decision there and then. The second thing I had to do is to put other people I had to put God before any other person. I could see my mum and my dad and my girlfriend and my friends. I had to put God first. It's not what Anybody else wanted? No. i got to let go of my sin. It's what you want for my life. You're first. Not anybody else. You. I will love them, but you're first. The third thing I had to do, which is, follows on, I had to abandon my ambitions and my personal plans and dreams that I had for my life to follow God's dreams and plan and will for my life. That's what, that's what I knew happened the moment I encountered the presence of God for the first time. And in that moment, my conscience began to be restored. I didn't know anything about God. I said to myself, 
God is a person because he speaks and I don't know anything about him. And I heard in my mind this like crystal word coming through my mind like a pure crystal river saying, read the Bible. I knew it was God. I went home, found the Bible, started reading it in my room every night till my eyes became tired. Then as I began to read the Bible, my value system and moral compass was changed. Even the grey areas. There's a few, by the way. <laughs> I remember. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to continue to smoke dope, because I liked it. And I thought, I wonder what the Bible says about dope. So I began to flick through the pages, left, right, and centre. I couldn't find a thing. I couldn't find a, a thing on it. I said, Oh. The Bible doesn't say any specifically about dope. I'd just carry on. So I would read the Bible and smoke a joint. <laughs> not ashamed, not proud of it. I'm just telling you what happened. But, but, I found that my conscience became troubled because it was a grey area. And it got to the point where I just, this was becoming more and more difficult. So, so I, God had told me to read the Bible, and I was learning and loving it, but I was finding it difficult that I couldn't do both. I couldn't read the Bible and smoke the dope. I couldn't do it. And I would have to override one to the other. It got to the point where I remember reading through the book of Corinthians one day, and the verse leapt out of the page to me and went into my soul like an arrow from heaven. And it says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What you do with your body and the fullness of your spirit, they're connected. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment onwards, from that moment I could not smoke the dope and read the Bible. Do you know, I'm being honest with you, I tried. No, I, 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 this, is, this is what we do, Okay. We try to wriggle out of it. So this is what I would do. I wouldn't smoke the Bible. No, I wouldn't. I, would. <laughs> I tried. No, I didn't try that. I wouldn't, read, I wouldn't smoke a joint and read the Bible. Do you know what I'd do? I would do? I would smoke a joint. And when it's finished, then read the Bible. Or read the Bible and smoke the joint. But the conscience just would not allow me to do that and encounter the presence of God through the scriptures. And I knew I had to make a choice. So I remember one day, my mate was visiting me, partner in crime, so to speak. Not like illegal crime, but anyway. And I, and I knew I couldn't give this. I won't tell you his name. I couldn't give this. I had some dope in this tin. I couldn't give it to him because it would be wrong. My conscience wouldn't let me give it to him. So even then I hedged my bets. I said... I won't tell his name. Let's call his name Stephen. It wasn't. I said, Stephen, uh, there's my dope there. Um, I'm not going to give it to you because that was wrong. But I've given up. You can have it if you want it. Now, nobody ever did this. No, this was like, this is nobody ever did. He said, sit down. No, stand up. No, sit down. No, go make a tea. No, you stay there. I'll make a cup of tea. He didn't know what to do. But they asked me why, and I told him, because I have turned my life to Jesus Christ. And I can't do that and follow him. I didn't want to stop. 
but conscience got to the point where I wasn't going to override it because I... And then what happened as I began to confess my sins and align my life to Christ, even the gray areas, even over the areas where I wanted to do it, but I knew I couldn't, then there was an increased presence of God that brought me into this place where I was talking about here where the presence of God was surprisingly... Oh, it was worth it! Worth it! So my appeal to you today is this. Confess all past sins to God. If there's a grey area, leave it out. Unless he clearly shows you from his word that it's okay. Totally surrender to the spirit. Do all he asks you to do and say all that he tells you to do. To do, I had to do this as well. I'm going to one quick story. I, I, I didn't want to go and study again. I hated school. I didn't want to study again. So I remember praying after all of this one day, and I heard this voice, Julian, where are you going? In my heart, and I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. We'll do whatever you want me to say. And what I didn't expect came. He said, Go to Capel. And I knew that Capel was a, a Bible college of the Elim denomination. I didn't, and I knew I had to go back and say, I didn't want to. Let me tell you, I didn't want to do it. But I did it. And it laid a foundation, biblically and theologically, for my ministry today. I want to encourage you, do whatever he says. And you will know the increased presence of God. Do these things and live this way. And you will have freedom and joy and a clear conscience. How much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, that we may serve the living God with our lives wherever we are, wherever he sends us. If you do these things, the Holy Spirit will renew your conscience. Your conscience will be a guide and a help to all that God has intended for you. You'll be able to live with the presence of the Holy Spirit in increasing measure. You will know his presence more and more. You will know joy from his presence, freedom from his presence, love and fullness from his presence. And you'll have the great reward of knowing that you're serving and living for him. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to pray for the presence of God to bless you. Please close your eyes. Why don't you now ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart if there's anything you must and should confess to Jesus that he may forgive you thoroughly and cleanse you totally. That there's nothing that you know about that is wrong. Just say, Lord, if there's anything I need to confess that I haven't and turn from, 
I do it now. Just just speak to him right where you are under your breath. Do do verbalize it. Don't have to be loud. Nobody's listening. They can't hear under your mask. It's one good thing about these masks, so we can hear what you're saying. Tell him now. I'll give you a moment. Confess and repent. Say, Lord, I confess this sin, blah, 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 what it is. And I turn from it today. And I ask for your forgiveness and I receive it now. Thank you, Lord, that I am now forgiven. there's a grey area that you have not sure about I'm going to encourage you to say Lord I'm going to let that grey area go unless at some point in time you clearly speak to me from your word that I'm free to engage in this I've done this many times. We can't go through life and know it all in one go. There's many times I've said, Lord, I'm not going to say or go or make that decision until I know, because it's a gray area. I'm uncertain. I've searched the scriptures. Sometimes it's a yes and sometimes it's a no. But you must guard your conscience to know the presence of God. I would invite you to do that now. And if you haven't told somebody that you have become a Christian, do it before this meeting's over. Go and tell somebody. Now, open your hands if you're comfortable. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray for the Spirit of God to come and bless you. Holy Spirit, come now. Come and fill every heart here. Come and cleanse their hearts and consciences with the blood of Christ that they may be free. And even now, that they just feel a wonderful release where burdens have gone, shame is removed, guilt is lifted, heaviness is broken, freedom comes, and I pray they will be filled with joy and peace and may the tender love of the Holy Spirit fill their hearts. Come now, Holy Spirit, fill every heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Say, fill me, Holy Spirit, I receive you. And just wait in His presence. And I pray for you. I'll pray for more of God's blessing, more Holy Spirit. Just wait in His presence. He doesn't come all at once. He comes gradually like a bath being filled up. 
be filled. May your life be filled. Holy Spirit, fill these dear people. Fill these children that you love so deeply. Fill them with your love, with your power, with your joy and peace to live with you and for you in joy. And give them power, power to serve you, power to live for you. Live the life that you've called them to and the life they long to live. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you will speak tenderly to them that they will hear in their heart, even without human words, your deep assurance and clothe them now with your righteousness and tender love. And pray this last prayer with me. Lord, make my heart soft and tender that I may know your presence and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.